Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. They were leaders in Israel, priests in the life of Israel. These were the men that led the children of Israel into the presence of God. These were the men that taught the children of Israel how to worship. These were the men that taught the children of God God's word. These were those guys, yet their own children, their own sons. It didn't matter that they were anointed and that they led the people of Israel. Their own sons in their own homes walked away from the Lord. What disappointment would that be? The book of 1 Samuel, we read the story of a man by the name of Eli who had two sons. And Eli was a man who loved the Lord. But his two sons were wicked. The scripture actually says they were worthless. Those worthless sons of Eli. The scripture says that when people came to worship, that these two priests would stop the worshipers before they could come to the tabernacle. They would stop them with their sacrifices in hand, and they said, wait, before you go to sacrifice to the Lord, let us take the portion of the sacrifice that we want to barbecue for ourselves tonight for dinner. And the, the people would reply, wait, 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 this is something that I brought for God. This is my best. This is the, the choice of my flock. I have brought this to offer this to the Lord as a form of worship, as a form of sacrifice. And they would reply, if you don't give it to us, we will take it by force. So they were standing at the gate of the tabernacle before the people could come to worship and offer up their sacrifices, and they were robbing the Lord of the sacrifice and robbing the people of the blessing of bringing that sacrifice. The scripture also says of these two sons of Eli that they would wait at the gate of the tabernacle and they would seduce the women. Woman after woman after woman, Eli kept hearing stories. How can this possibly happen? What is it that you're doing? Why are you doing this? Why, why are you doing this to the Lord? And so this is what it says. Now, Eli was very old. He kept hearing all the things his sons were doing in Israel, how they lay with women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, how can you do this? Haven't I taught you better than this? Haven't you watched me live a life in service to God? Haven't I taught you in our home? Haven't I been an example to you? How is it that you can turn away from the Lord? How is it you can make a mockery of God in service to God like this? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Can you relate to that kind of disappointment this morning? As a parent, you've done all you can to bring your children into God's presence, and they still choose the world over the Lord. Listen to me. It is your responsibility as a parent to equip your children to be ready to make the decision to follow after Jesus. But at the end of the day, it is their decision and their decision alone. God will not allow their free will to be violated. So you have to do whatever you can to prepare them for the day when that decision needs to be made. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. This is what it says. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall 
talk of them, when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. God's word has to be on your lips all of the time. You have to be trickling God's word into their hearts all of the time, continually. Whenever there's an opportunity, whenever there's an open door, that you snatch that opportunity and you share truth with them. The world is trying to share such garbage and such lies with them. You have to step in and share the truth. If you won't, who will? The disappointment of watching your child walk away. There's another Man, we already spoke about him once. His name was Aaron, the first priest over the Israelites. Aaron, his two sons, got drunk, went in to offer sacrifices before the Lord while they were drunk. And the scripture says that God sent fire down from heaven to consume them because they weren't able to distinguish between what was holy and in what was common. Listen, if your children are not ready to confess the Lord, fire is waiting. And you have a responsibility to share truth with them. Listen to what the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 22. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's no wonder that our children are confused. And we sit here with a feeling of disappointment because our children have walked away. But what have we been teaching them in our homes? It's no wonder that they're confused about priorities when we hire tutors and we hire coaches and we hire music instructors to do all of these things in their life. But then we kind of cast the truth of the scripture by the wayside. We make their studies and their grades and their extracurricular activities so important, but we neglect church in their lives. How can we be surprised when they walk away from the Lord? We have to take this calling seriously. There's a burden that each of us hold, and that disappointment, you do not want to experience that disappointment. You do not want to experience that kind of regret watching your children living in the world, being eaten up by the world when the church and the things of God are waiting for them. Amen. The responsibility ultimately lies with their choice, but you have the responsibility to prepare them for the decision. Are you doing that? Even these people who grew up in a home of ministers, the sons of Eli and the sons of Aaron were consumed by worldliness and ended up being destroyed because of it. What can you do in your home? How can that change? The disappointment of that. How about Jesus, just for a moment? Imagine being in Jesus' shoes and the disappointment that he must have felt when he was spent three and a half years pouring into his disciples, equipping them and teaching them and sharing truth with them and watching, watching as they grew in the Lord and watching as their faith grew and watching them even being able to go out and to heal people the way Jesus was healing people. He discipled them. He trained them. He raised them up to be like him, to do the works that he was doing. And then when the going gets tough, when it gets really difficult, and the cross is waiting for him, one by one, they all go and turn their backs. Imagine the disappointment of feeling Peter deny him three times. Peter, this is the Peter who had said, Jesus, I will go with you wherever you go. I will even follow you to death. But when the time came for that promise to be paid, Peter was nowhere to be found. The scripture actually records that when Peter denied Jesus for the third time and the rooster crowed, 
that Jesus was looking on and that their eyes met. And for a moment, Peter, Peter and Jesus' eyes connected. And Peter was broken when he realized exactly what Jesus told me I was going to do has happened. He told me I would deny him. I told him there was no way. He told me this would happen. I said, there's no way I will ever deny you. And here I am. And the scripture says he was broken and he wept bitterly. Imagine that kind of disappointment. Disappointment isn't the only thing, though, that risk of our relationships. I guess I forgot to give you the first point. Risk of relationships. You can write that in now, now that we're halfway through the sermon. So the first one, risk of relationships. First risk is disappointment. Second risk is heartache. In the Old Testament, there's a book given to this man, to his story. His name is Hosea. And Hosea's life, just imagine the heartbreak that this man went through. A prophet of God called by God. To live like a crazy story so that it can be an object lesson for the rest of Israel because Israel had wandered from the Lord. Because Israel was dealing with the Lord in in an adulterous manner, chasing after idols and false gods. And so what does God call Hosea to do? He says to Hosea, Hosea, I want for you to go and to marry a prostitute. Okay, now think about this just for a moment. Pause there for a moment. God is saying, I want to speak a truth to the children of Israel. And in order for them to understand, in order for this picture to be painted, the way this is going to be accomplished, Hosea, is for you to take for yourself a wife who is a prostitute. Okay, now that's difficult enough. That's a difficult calling enough. But this is what he does. This is what Hosea does. And in the course of their marriage, after she's born him children, she goes back to her old lifestyle of prostitution. She returns to the old life. She goes back selling herself to men, going back to the pleasures of the world. And the Lord comes to Hosea a second time and says, Hosea, listen, the story isn't finished yet. Now what I need you to do is I need you to go find your wife. And I need you to buy her. I need you to redeem her. I need you to buy her out of the slavery that she has sold herself into. Because I'm trying to make a point, Hosea. And the point I'm trying to make is that I am a faithful God. And even when you chase the idols, and even when you are involved in adultery, and even when you worship at other shrines and other altars, I am still ready to redeem you, to buy you back out of that. So he says to Hosea, Hosea, you go buy her out of the hands of another man. And so Hosea finds her possibly at the false altars of the pagan religions as she possibly was working as a temple prostitute. And the scripture says he buys her for the price of 15 shekels of silver. 15 15 shekels of silver. Half of the price of a slave. That's how terrible her life had become. That's all she was worth to anyone at that point. And so Hosea brings her back into his home. And Hosea loves her once more. And though he was wed to her, though they were one... Now, secondly, he goes and now he purchases her, which is a beautiful picture of what God does with us in Christ. But now reason with me. Think about this just for a moment. Because this whole picture that is being painted here is a very accurate picture of what God wants you to know about his love for you. The scripture says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. The scripture says in Ephesians that when 
Paul is teaching on marriage that this is a mystery. You don't really get this. You can't see it fully, but I'm talking about Christ in the church, that husbands, you love your wives like Christ loved the church, that there's a commitment that is there. And so here in this story of Hosea, God is saying to Hosea, I want to use you as an object lesson for the people to understand my faithfulness to them. So that they would understand how much I love them. That even when they sell themselves to the world, I'm willing to buy them out of slavery and bring them back into my home. Now, amen, it's good. It's a good story. (laughs) Now, but listen to this just for a moment, though, because this is where I want the rubber to meet the road. This is where I want flesh to be put on this. Maybe this morning you feel like you're suffering through a marriage. And that your spouse mistreats you over and over and over again and not faithful to you and maybe it's just not you know considering sexual things maybe maybe he's just not faithful or she's not faithful to you to support you or to love you the way you're supposed to be loved or to treat you the way you're supposed to be treated or to speak to you kindly the way you're supposed to be spoken to maybe you feel like you're suffering through a relationship today maybe someone's been telling you that You shouldn't allow that person to treat you that way. Maybe somehow, some way the world has convinced you that you're weak by allowing someone to treat you that way. What if? What if the Lord has put you in that seat? What if he would be speaking to you today? I'm trying to paint a picture. What if he would speak to you today and say, it's not about the worthiness of your spouse. It's about the faithfulness of your God. What if God would speak to you today, I'm trying to paint a picture through your life of what it looks like for a God who is holy to remain committed and faithful to a spouse that has been unfaithful. What if God wants to use your story to shine a light and to give glory to his faithfulness? Every time someone comes to you, how can you continue to live that way? Well, every time I sin against the Lord, the Lord brings me back. The Lord forgives me. The Lord restores me. And listen, I'm not saying that you can be a doormat. I'm not saying that you should subject yourself to abuse. I'm not saying those things. I'm saying that you have to ask yourself. You need to sit down and look into a mirror and say, what is God trying to do in this? Because God told Hosea, I'm going to use your life as a picture It's going to hurt. You're going to experience heartbreak. This isn't going to happen just once. It's going to happen over and over again. Your wife is going to sell her body to other men. And you're going to have to go and purchase her out of the arms of another man to bring her back into your home. But it's because I'm painting a picture of my faithfulness to my people. Could it be that God is doing something in your life? That God wants to use you to bring his name glory? I know it's difficult. I know every time your heart is broken, you want to put up a wall. I know every time that those words are spoken, you you, you close your ears off just a little bit more. That's not how God wants you to love. God doesn't want you to love with walls and with plugging your ears. God wants you to love completely. And here's the thing. Listen to me. If you're the spouse listening today that has wronged the other, You have to do whatever you can within your power to bring those walls down and to unstop those ears because God has not called your spouse to have to love that way. 
God has called your spouse to love fully and completely with everything that they've got. You have a responsibility to treat them with tenderness and with care. Hosea's story filled with heartbreak. Maybe you can find a little bit of hope in your story today by hearing Hosea's story. Some of the risks, there's disappointment, there's heartbreak, but there's also betrayal. There's also betrayal. Again, the story of David. In David's life, he is said to be a man after God's own heart, but man, he failed a few times. We all know the story of David and Bathsheba and how he took another man's wife and ended up committing murder by killing the woman's husband in order to cover up his infidelity and to cover up the baby that was in the womb of Bathsheba. But his failures don't end there. He had a son by the name of Amnon. And Amnon was attracted to his half-sister who had the name of Tamar. He was so enraged that it was like he was making himself sick. This is how much he loved his sister, his half-sister. And so his confidant, his advisor, says to him, Why are you making yourself sick with love over this woman? This is what you should do. You should pretend to be sick and to lie in bed and tell your father that the only thing that will help you feel any better is if your sister Tamar comes and feeds you. And so he does this. Amnon pretends to be sick and David sends Tamar to feed Amnon. And once Tamar is there, he rapes her. And after he's raped her, he despises her in his heart and throws her out of the house and shames her in front of the community. Now, David had another son who was the full brother to Tamar by the name of Absalom. And Absalom brings Tamar into his home. And Absalom expects David to exact revenge on Amnon because this has happened in the house. But David doesn't do anything. He doesn't hold his children accountable. So Absalom takes matters into his own hands. He throws a big party, invites all of the family there. He gets Amnon drunk and then kills Amnon and then runs for his life. Absalom goes into hiding. When Absalom is in hiding, he raises up an army of people, convinces an army of people to overthrow David because David didn't do what David was supposed to do. And so word comes back to David, your son Absalom is on the way with a vast army to overthrow your throne and to take your throne and to take the kingdom. Imagine just for a moment the betrayal that a father would feel hearing that his son is on the way. Imagine the betrayal that Absalom felt when his father didn't exact revenge on Amnon. Imagine the betrayal that Tamar felt when Amnon raped her and all she was trying to do was feed him when he was sick. Imagine all of the betrayal after betrayal after betrayal. But imagine now the horses and the chariots are coming to take the kingdom from David and it's his own son that is in charge of the overthrow. But it doesn't stop there. In the course of raising up this army, Absalom had convinced David's top advisor, who had the name Ahithophel, to also join in the coup. And this is what David wrote of this betrayal. He says, For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. 
It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. We used to worship together. We used to go to church together. We used to break bread together. We used to celebrate together. We studied God's word together. How is it that you can turn your back on me? How is it that you can betray me? Bitterness is an ugly thing, isn't it? The scripture says this of bitterness. Bitterness, Hebrews chapter 12. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God so that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. The bitterness is like a seed that is planted somewhere in your heart. And that if you don't pull that out by the root, that that seed will grow and that plant will grow and that bitterness will grow until it's overtaken you. Be careful. Because this is where bitterness leads. This is where bitterness will take you. Think about just for a moment the story of Jesus and Judas sharing their last meal together breaking bread together, and Jesus in this moment says, there's one of you in this room that's going to betray me. Betray me differently than the rest. I mean, the rest will disappoint me. The rest will walk away, but one of you is going to sell me out. It's the one that I dip my morsel of bread with, and Judas dips the bread. Imagine the betrayal that Jesus felt when he was kissed on the cheek, signifying that this is the rabbi, signifying to the guards of the chief priest, this is the one that you need to arrest. This is the one who claims to be the Messiah. Imagine how alone that felt. Do you feel maybe that way today? Do you feel betrayed by the people that you love the most? Do you feel like everyone has turned their back? Do you feel like that person that you trusted with your life took that trust? threw it, stabbed you in the back. It's a lonely feeling. Jesus experienced the same lonely feeling. He experienced it for you and for me. And it's important that you don't allow bitterness to take root. So we see these risks of relationships. There's more. I mean, we could talk all day about stories in the scripture where people were stabbed in the back and where people were disappointed and where people experienced heartbreak. But what I want you to see secondly is that there's a responsibility even in the midst of that, a responsibility for reconciliation. Let me read to you what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. New creations, you'll know the first part of this. I hope you know the second part. First part says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verse 18, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, we would be reconciling the world to himself. That word reconciliation means to bring a peaceful pact in place. It means to change a relationship from one of enemies or enmity to one of peacefulness and friendship. It means to lay down your weapons. We have a responsibility. If we've been made new in Christ, Jesus has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We're supposed to be going out to people who have wronged us or that we have wronged and saying we can't allow this to happen. We can't stay enemies any longer. We need something. We need peace. The only way that this can happen, the only way that we can reconcile is first thing there, you see it in your notes, is to offer forgiveness. 
Peter would say to Jesus, kind of in a prideful way, how many times should I forgive my brother who sinned against me? Up to seven times? I'll forgive him up to seven times, Peter says. And Jesus says, no, I tell you, you should forgive him 70 times seven. It's a Hebrew idiom for you cannot number, you cannot count how many times you have to forgive your brother. You have to keep forgiving. And when they wrong you again, you keep forgiving. You forgive, you forgive, you forgive. You keep on forgiving. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.